0: The following is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Parking the Bus podcast can be followed on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Or if you have an Amazon Echo by simply saying, Alexa, play the Parking the Bus podcast. Don't forget to check out the show's homepage at www.parkingthebusmedia.com. You're listening to the Parking the Bus podcast's continuing coverage of Euro 2020 here on the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Parking the Bus podcast, episode 58 tonight. And once again, it's another Euro 2020 edition. Of course, it's the third day of Round of 16 action at Euro 2020. Of course, being played in 2021. As you know, tonight is Monday, June the 28th of 2021. But we are celebrating, enjoying. And elevating, if you will, this experience that is Euro 2020. One of the great tournaments, I think, that has been played. I mean, there is just a storyline day after day in this competition. Every night, I've got something to talk about here just about. Okay? And today was no different. I mean, today, there was no shortage of of talking points. No shortage of storylines. What? football we had on display today. What matches we had to look at. It was absolutely phenomenal. Two matches where it is three to one with under 10 minutes to play. Looking like the two favorites are going through. And then suddenly something gets into the underdog. Something gets in to the team. Something gets in to the side that is down. And before you know it, it is 3-3. Both matches ended up that way. 3-3 at the end of, X, of, of 90 minutes today. Absolutely phenomenal stuff. I mean, we finished the first match. And, of course, Derek Ray on ESPN here in the United States said, Good luck to France and Switzerland for having to follow this one up, he said. Well, challenge accepted. Challenge heard. France and Switzerland, that match lived up just as much as the first match. And, I mean, what a storyline tonight. The, The favorites, the world champions, crash out after having been ahead with nine minutes to play. If I'm not mistaken, there were nine minutes remaining when none other than the Swiss Army Knife himself Named by Nino Torres of Goal TV, the Swiss Army Knife Harris Sepetovic. Listen, as a Benfica supporter, I can't believe my eyes. I I had to I had to take a, a second look at it. Harris Sepetovic, are you kidding me? Yes, Harris Sepetovic with the double tonight. Two goals for the Swiss Army Knife, helping his country get to extra time. He was then substituted, but they would they would get a late equalizer and. France was shell-shocked, no question about it, shell-shocked, completely shell-shocked was the French side, and again, it looks like I'm having internet problems, I'm really getting sick of this internet problems that I keep having, I'm going to keep talking, hopefully this is going to sound good on your end, Um, again, what a day of football, my goodness, how about Alvaro Morata, who was watching last night when I said it's probably going to be about time for Alvaro Morata to, to factor, about time that Alvaro Morata gets his name on the score sheet. He can only he can only get shut out for so long. Alvaro Morata delivers an extra time today for España. Nuestros hermanos are on their way to the quarterfinals. And that is not what I expect. I expected Spain to win, but not like that. I was thinking that Spain were going to be the ones to go to a penalty shootout and win. At Fade My Play will be here in just a little while to discuss these matches with me. He'll be joining me shortly. And um, we'll talk about both matches and probably catch up a little bit on the weekend's matches as well. I'm looking forward to getting his thoughts we'll definitely bro- we'll definitely talk about tomorrow's a big one it's the early game tomorrow no doubt about it it's england versus germany and i must admit right here to everyone right now leo couldn't make it we made a challenge he was going to go head to head with fade my play he was they were going to go at it over this england germany game it was his idea he issued the challenge he thinks we're crazy for thinking that Germany is gonna win. He can't make it tonight, guys. He can't make it. He had a prior, he had something come up. I know it came up. It was an emergency episode of his show. Um, how nice! how nice of him to go head to head against me. And uh, very, very, very nice of him. No, I'm just kidding. But let me tell you, the next time he comes on this show, those of you that are watching Saturday, he's going to get muted the next time he goes and runs an unpaid promo on my show. <laughs> the guy comes in here and just starts to do a manscaped read. And like I said, it's a read. If you listen to any soccer podcast, you've heard that read every day because they, they all do it. We've all heard the Marouane uh line. Well, let me tell you, when Leo comes back, he's getting muted. First second, he starts selling product on this show that I'm not getting a cut of. That's for sure. All right, um, and like I said, when when at Fade, my play gets here in a little bit. We will we'll obviously talk about that too. And again, I can't say enough about I can't say enough about this prediction yesterday. Okay. Shout out Dave Pereira 86. He's he's in the chat again. I see him there. He called it yesterday. He said the over on France, Switzerland was money in the bank. Dave, well done, brother. Money in the bank it was and is. And uh, welcome back. I see you there in the chat. What, what a prediction. Okay, he got that one right. I called Alvaro Morata to score. I'm, I'm feeling like a hundred bucks. Um, <laughs> It just, this was, this was a day, I, it, you know, when you watch these tournaments, okay, it's one thing when you're a neutral. It's another thing when your team is in it. I, as you know, had my team in it until yesterday. Today I watch as a full neutral in the sense that none of these matches have any bearing obviously on my team until today. There's always the chance of, you know, I want to see certain contenders eliminated perhaps to avoid them. Okay. Today I come to you as a full a full-fledged neutral and let me tell you, it was fun to be a neutral today. It sure was. Oh man. Again, I I would have I would have liked for Croatia to get through to squeak through. I thought when they came back and got the 3-3 three, three, that they might do it, but they were just out of gas at that point. And again, Alvaro Morata just said, "Okay, it's time for me to do something here. It's time for me to make my mark. And um, just just a great match. I mean, again, uh, either one of these matches could have been called match of the tournament. I think the France France match got a little bit better. And look who's here. He was so busy that he's 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 in the chat. He was so busy to join us today that he is now in the chat, and he's saying Switzerland looked like they were flying around the pitch on a mystical creature. That mystical creature is the Swiss army knife, Harris Stefanovic. I know how much you love that player. And that will no doubt spawn a reaction from him. (laughs) I'm going to put this up. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where he is right now apparently. Okay. Um all right. All right. Um again when F- at fade my play gets here in a little bit we uh listen, you're not here to defend yourself and <laughs> you're not here to defend yourself so everything's fair game. So that's for you fade my play right there. <laughs> shaka with shaka with the game winning penalty kick in the shootout and i think he's going to leave the chat now after i did that but it listen um what a day of i can't get over this the, these matches were just outstanding okay no they weren't played well i don't mean they were played well i mean it, these were defensive nightmares absolute casualties of defense I mean both France and Spain's backlines were were shattered. Leo is calling me right now. I am live and he's on my phone calling me. I think I I think I I crossed the line there. <laughs> well that that was for that was for for Saturday and um and <laughs> That was for Saturday and, and taking some shots at some of, of my guys. And here's Dave. As you can see here, Dave is saying Embolo had a game. Embolo was fantastic today, Dave. Yes, he was. Um, what belief in that Swiss team? What amazing belief. They were the only people that believed in them to win today. I, bl- I think so. Truly, truly, deep down, believe that they were going to win. And I just got a text message from Leo. I'm not going to repeat it, but fair game. We're all done. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely crossed the line, but we're, we're good. inbolo um, M- had a really good game. Also, um, just again, that team can, they just did not die. Well, ha- think about this for a minute, everybody. They missed a penalty kick. That would have put them ahead 2-0. Your average team crumbles after that, especially when France come down and get two right after in short succession. I mean, how many teams are mentally strong enough to turn around and still keep going after that? And shout out to Karim Benzema as well. Two more goals for the guy. Uh, Outcasted for five and a half years from this national team. And as a Portugal fan, I can say today, I wouldn't. I'm glad he was not on the pitch in Paris five years ago. Um, Perhaps one of those probably go in if it's him on the other end. And we never see that extra time victory. So, um, again, um, getting distracted again by one of our guests here in the chat. But that's all right. (laughs) He's telling me to check my phone. I I already addressed the text message. I said I got it. I said game over. I, I made my point. It's over. All is fair in uh, football and podcasting. <laughs> and um, yeah, just uh, Switzerland. What mental fortitude to come back after that. What mental fortitude to come back after missing a penalty kick. And, you know, it was funny because Ricardo Rodriguez steps up. I mean, he, 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 Hit that penalty kick right to the spot. The same exact spot where uh, Hugo Lloris dove to on Cristiano's penalty kick in match day three. Okay. He hit the spot. Or I should say he hit it right to the same spot as Cristiano Ronaldo. And that's where Hugo Lloris was going this time. I'm not sure if he thought he was going to get Lloris to dive the other way again. I think Loris kind of read him well. He guessed correctly, of course. Uh, We can't say the same in the shootout, as he he couldn't come up with the save in the shootout. But in the in the ninety minutes, he comes up with a big, big penalty save, keeps France in the match. And like we said, moments later, Karim Benzema makes it one-one. Moments after that, two-one. And I thought at that point. That, that France were going to coast. Paul Pogba makes it three to one. And at that point, it was checkmate. It should have been checkmate. Yay, are the world champions. But again, you can never count these games over before they're over. We had seen it earlier in the day. We had seen Croatia come down from the same exact deficit right around the same. Uh, time in the match we had seen it and you know we get to it and switzerland make it three to two and fade my play is here i'm gonna bring him in right now
1: yes what's up
0: get in sorry i'm late oh no problem at all we we had a little bit of a we had a troll in the in the chat by the name of At Dgens United who couldn't make it. Today. <laughs> um, so Dave here is saying, "Would it shock you if the Swiss get throttled the next round?" Honestly, probably not. It, this tournament has kind of gone that way. Um, yeah, we've beat up Spain since day one, and suddenly Spain have come alive with ten goals in two matches, hmm. and um, I. Honestly, I don't think anything can surprise me anymore in this tournament. What do you think about that?
2: I think it's, uh, it's a good point, but I don't think Spain's going to be the ones to do it because of the way Switzerland mm-hmm. are set up. Uh, as you saw from, you know, I know we'll get uh, to this, but as you saw from the game, Switzerland are a team that soaks up pressure and counters. And so they're used to being able to handle the ticky-tack style of play that Spain mm-hmm. does. I think that game has underwritten all over it. I don't think we're going to see a thriller like we did today because France and Switzerland, Switzerland today were set up in the same formations. It was like for like at pretty much every stage, or excuse me, every position on the pitch. Uh, and so in those type of games, usually talent just wins out. And really it mm-hmm. should have. Um Whereas against Spain, Switzerland will be extremely defensive minded, whereas Spain will control the ball the majority of the time. Uh, It won't be back and forth like it was today. It'll be very much Spain trying to break them down. And I can see a, uh, you know, 1-0, 2-0 type of victory, maybe a 2-1, but I see low scoring.
0: Yeah, yeah. And again, I think we saw today why Spain relies so heavily on possession, because when they're forced to defend, they've proven they can't. They can, they can, you know, possess. If they lose the ball, they press and they try to win it back quickly. If they don't win it back quickly, they find themselves in all kinds of trouble defensively. And again, they they had a three-one lead less than ten minutes ago, and they could not keep when they had, when possession is exactly what they needed. They couldn't keep the ball enough to see hmm. out that result, and. Um, and I think well, that Croatia just, just gassed out in the comeback and we got to extra time and there was nothing left in the tank.
2: Yeah, agreed. I mean, you know, and, and I don't know if you've already talked about the individual games themselves, but France, their their downfall was, in my opinion, uh, a combination of, you know, arrogance, but really Didier Deschamps. Uh, I think yeah. 100% he is at fault in that boss um either that or he has no control over the players and either way that is his fault um but he brings on two different players for a defensive mm-hmm. tactic he takes out benzema he takes out griezmann yep. and he brings on two defensive players mm-hmm. to just hey we're up three one ten minutes left you know i think he brought them on in the late 70s yeah like let's just ride this out but Even though the players were on the pitch, France was still pushing for a fourth goal. And Mm -hmm. I don't understand what possible world any manager worth their salt says with nine minutes left, let's just sit on our two goal lead and make sure they don't bring it close because that'll give them life. But instead, Mm -hmm. they do exactly the opposite. They keep trying to score goals. They keep giving the ball to Killian Mbappe, who just, you know, a hey, fair play to him. I believe he's a top five striker in the world. Oh, yeah, but no doubt. Had a absolutely terrible tournament, absolutely terrible day at the office. But yeah. he keeps missing shots and they give the ball right back to them, whether it's from a goal kick, whether it's from a foul. I don't understand why they made no effort whatsoever to just hold the ball, pass mm-hmm. it back and forth. Everything they did for the full 90 minutes was attacking and that doesn't make sense when you have a two goal lead it makes sense when you're down one it makes sense when you're tied it even makes sense when you're up one because you want to make sure you get that insurance goal with how well they were playing sure. but the fact that Deschamps did not say what the fuck are you doing stop doing long balls over the top stop doing through balls we need to control this if they had made it to 87 fine you concede a goal it's 3-2 yeah they need to sit at on 81 it, whatever but instead yeah. They, they attack forward. The goal is the result of a bad pass. And then on the break, 3-2 with nine minutes left and stoppage time. Mm-hmm. That is 100% down to the French style of play in the final 15 minutes.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And again, they put themselves in a, in a situation. And managers do this. And it, one of my things that really gets under my skin in these type of matches is you always know there's the possibility of penalties. Mm. You keep your penalty shoes on the pitch. I mean, well, he, yeah, yeah. even in a two-goal lead, he had the situation, and, and even if it's not the penalty shooters, like you said, they took their you know key attacking guys out, and then they had to try to come back, and now they have a team that is missing, you know, Everyone but Mbappe, essentially, in the offensive side of the ball, that that to go find a winner was going to become very difficult at that point. And, and Kinsley Coleman almost got it in the ninety yeah. plus whatever. I mean,
2: he almost that put would have been the most in, insane in, goal,
0: right? But after that, it, they were missing they were missing pieces in order to go find that winning goal. And again, they're missing guys that would have otherwise taken penalties. So.
2: But so again, this kind of goes back to first of all, you know, okay, let's forget about the fact it never should have even gone to extra time because you had a mm-hmm. two-goal lead with 10 minutes right. left. Like that's that's down to poor defensive tactics. But in extra time, they were playing for penalties. Like Switzerland looked mm. way more dangerous in extra time. Yeah. I thought France had a couple of chances that you know Mbappe just absolutely mishandled, but still yeah. France looked you know, very much complacent. They looked like they were playing for the penalty. And I said this, I was literally live tweeting the whole thing. Like I know the rest of the world was, but I was just like, if this goes to penalties, put everything on Switzerland, like they Mm -hmm. are going through. And I also said in, in I think it was like the 70th minute or something like that, that Mbappe has to be the biggest individual disappointment of the tournament so far. And then he, mm-hmm. you know, misses a through ball, like doesn't even put it on target twice in the last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we get to extra time and he looks kind of like rattled. And when we go to pens, and I see, you know, Pogba and Kempembe mm-hmm. and these French players going up and taking penalties, I was like, there is no fucking way Deschamps is stupid enough, like <laughs> has unbelievable gall to make Mbappe his fifth penalty taker. And mm-hmm. sure enough, he did. And I was live tweeting the whole thing. I'm like, bet on him to miss it. 100% will miss it.
1: You,
2: you knew it. I mean, if you, you, could see it. If you watched any of his plays so far in the tournament, forget mm-hmm. today, his play yeah. in the tournament has been bad. He, he just hasn't had the boots on to finish goals. Mm-hmm. They've been going wide. He hasn't hit the target for most of his shots that have been open. And you just saw his face being like, I, like I would have, I would have bet the fucking mortgage that he would miss that because he mm-hmm. had the look of a scared deer. But also, again, like that sucks for him. He's a young player. He'll be back. You're I'm right. Not worried. He already has there. a World Cup. Like you know, yeah, I, he'll be fine. But how fucking dare! I'll bet every single France fan out there just wants to kill Didier Deschamps mm-hmm. because who the fuck are you kidding? Putting him fifth. Like if you, you have to use them at one point, if it keeps going and going, right? The key is with penalties is the most, the most low pressure spot is the second penalty taker followed by the third, but Mm -hmm. one, four and five, there's a lot of pressure five. Mm -hmm. When the game's on the line is the most possible. You make it okay. You keep your team alive. You miss it. You lose. And you give that spot to the one person who hasn't looked like they could do any, they look like he fucking couldn't kick a door if he was standing next to it. Like, it's unbelievable to me that he did that. Deschamps chose to do that order. And because of that, they lost. And because of that, deservedly so. I mean, I, I cannot. I'm so f- fucking frustrated about it because I, d- I didn't have friends to win. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just bet the over. Thank goodness. Uh, but, like, I mean, anyone, anyone could see that Mbappe was not right. And he's an amazing, I, again, top five attacker in the world for me. I truly believe that. He's so young as well. He's going to be unbelievable for his career. But he was not right. If you have him shooting your first five, it cannot be in the five spot. You're batting cleanup with your weakest player right now, especially after Pogba had that worldly. Mm-hmm. I mean, every other penalty from Switzerland and France, nine penalties were taken with such clinical I'm confidence. And then the one player who has not had a fucking shot on target, who has looked terrible, who has more offsides than shots in the tournament. Think about that. More yeah. offsides than shots mm. in the tournament. Clearly not right. And you choose him to save your country. Like, nah, that was that's yeah. on Deschamps in my opinion. You can't blame, you cannot blame Mbappe. He was
0: obviously not yeah. right. And you put the world on his shoulders and he crumbled. And ESPNFC had a discussion about this. Frank LeBouffe, their French uh representative, if you will, mm. said that the players picked their own their own order and they picked the oh, five okay. they're gonna shoot. Well, that, which does happen often. Me. But typically typically, I forget who said it if it was Casey Keller or if it was somebody else that said, Yeah, but usually the coach picks the order after you have the volunteers to shoot.
2: Yeah. So, oh yeah, you I volunteer guess. for it. But right. the coach picks the order. But also I don't know if you yeah. heard about this. Mm-hmm. So France moved to a 3-4-3? Yeah. For this game? Why yeah. did they do that? Because fucking Paul Pogba told the Champs that's what they should do. Yeah. If Paul Pogba of all people <laughs> is telling you how to run your team, you should not be managing it. And if you can't deal with the heavy personalities and the star mm-hmm. power of the players on your team, you should not be managing. Mm-hmm. And like I fucking hate Frank Boer. I think he's arguably the worst manager in international football but the way that Deschamps managed the game today and the way that France has looked this tournament and the fact that you have a player defining how you are going to put out your team formation is just insane to me I mean that's just it's inexcusable it's why they lost and deservedly so and I'm glad they're out of the tournament because that I mean Mm other than other than a few moments from Benzema and Pogba, France does not look good. And the way they've played has shown such arrogance as though they were going to sweep through everybody and just
0: whatever. and just mm-hmm. Yeah, there so was easy. a lot of arrogance in, in their side, in their media, in all of the commentary you hear around this team was, well, we're going to win it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And that's always a sign, a bad sign when you get that around a team because Absolutely. the players, whether they hear it directly or not, it feeds through to them. And so is it safe to assume you would agree with this statement that if Zendin Zidane is managing this team, they're still in the tournament? A hundred percent. Again, Yeah. I agree. Like I cannot I cannot
2: express to you this. It's such a funny thing. I was listening to a podcast uh, after yours, actually, a -hmm. few days ago. And this guy was talking about the way that um, what team was it that we were talking about? Oh, yeah, it was Frank DeBoer. Of course it was. Mm -hmm. But he was saying, like, so you get a red card anybody that's ever played club level soccer sunday league you mm-hmm. know for for guys like me who are overweight and over 30 mm-hmm. you know guys playing in those type of leagues know oh we have 10 men so what we should do is set up more defensively right instead frank de keeps his team and says attack and what happens they get caught yeah. on a fucking like you know ridiculous corner kick and then get caught mm-hmm. out again on the break and it's like that is 100 right. down to poor management and then you look exactly what france did today they were up by two goals and instead of just sitting back and playing defense what did they do they keep attacking trying to show off yeah. because of the fact that i mean benzema's first goal absolute fantastic first touch mm-hmm. great finish benzema's second goal Griezmann did all the hard work. The te- The passing was beautiful and, you know, f- it was well-deserved. Mm-hmm. And then the Poggle, a worldie. They were just like, hmm, feeling ourselves. We can make this four or five. Sure. Why? Why? Who are you impressing? All of you were top-paid players and you got beat by half these people are on, you know, fucking sixth and seventh and bottom-tier teams in Bundesliga and, and the Austrian League. And just, you know, I just... I. I can't stand that shit. And if you can't control your players, then you shouldn't be managing at the international level. It's just, I think Zinedine Zidane would be perfect because uh, yeah. he has been that cock of the walk type of player. He's been that guy that would be hard yeah. to control. So he knows how to do it. But here's a, here's a great uh, statistic to take away other than his own goal. France has started every game
0: trailing. Yeah. They did. They surrendered first every game other than other
2: than an own goal. They have trailed in every single game.
0: Yeah. And that that, comes down to coaching. That's a lack of preparation.
2: It's it's (laughs) not. Yeah. And it's not just preparation. It's also just like you take so long to get into a game Mm -hmm. and you take so long to figure out what's going on that clearly you're not making adjustments before games. Like you said, you're not making them in game and your players are either not doing what you're telling them or you're not telling them anything Mm -hmm. like France, France to me seems like, you know, the type of team where a manager is there purely to say that they have one on the touchline to follow the rules. But really, it's ruled by these unbelievable stars like Pogba, like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Mbappe and Benzema isn't like that. But, you know, all these all these players that are so unbelievably talented yet Mm -hmm. seemingly can't put it together. I mean, yeah, it's like watching England in a much more spectacular fashion.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, like you said, they played a three-four-one-two. They went with Lloris and goal, Varane, uh Lingley, and Kimpembe in the back. Benjamin Pavard and Adrian Rabiot as the wing backs again. Now they do have an issue with injuries, so they are short of outside left-sided backs. Rabiot was subbed in in the last game to have to fill in there. It looks like they went to this system. Like you said, if it was if it was suggested by Pogba, the idea is that because they don't have the traditional outside backs that this would add more coverage, left them more exposed. It did the opposite. Yeah, exactly. um, Pogba and, and Conte in the center, obviously. Griezmann playing behind Benzema and Mbappe. Again, it's not that Griezmann's playing bad for me, but it's like he's not making a difference in mm-hmm. any of these matches.
2: Yeah. I think I think Griezmann, though, is purpose-serving in a way that Mbappe kind of is in the sense that he's a danger man anywhere on the pitch. Sure. Uh, you know, and so they have to pay attention to him. He and Benzema drag attention away from Mbappe, where mm-hmm. the central focus would normally be. Yeah. Um And I think that is, you know, but again, and and this goes back to the formation selection that they ended up doing is that's the way that Switzerland plays, you know, every time they play, they've played that way for the last six years. Yeah. So you are changing your formation that you've been playing with to match the style of the team that you're playing, but Mm -hmm. they've been playing that way. And you're just starting to do that. And so your understanding of how to defend That, you know, you pretty much made it easier in reality for Switzerland because they're like, oh, we kind of know how Mm -hmm. what you're doing works and we know where the gaps are and how you're going to be exposed. And they showed that. I mean, the the first goal was, I mean, the worst defense (laughs) you could imagine in terms of like getting ahead to the ball. But the late goals, the ones that really mattered were fantastic examples of just like people that look like they're not 100 percent sure of where they should be on the pitch. Like, yeah, no doubt you know who's covering who oh do you have him i need to step to him you know it's just and and it's funny to see that you know because as a united fan i'm used to this paul pogba pulls off a worldie unbelievable mm-hmm. and then gets caught in possession gives the ball yeah. away which leads to the goal i mean the it amount really of shows. times that happens with united it is yeah. unreal
0: and yeah. he does it
2: again today and yeah awesome. we've talked
0: about him a lot and they, like you said and usually doesn't happen when he's wearing the the blue of the French national team no. but but They've today that's him. it's a classic thing we've seen from Paul Pogba since he's been at United and but I, and again I feel bad cuz
2: you know mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a huge Pogba stan like I don't get mm-hmm. me wrong I think he's one of the best midfielders in the world mm-hmm. um but, you know, just his attitude always bothers me at United. Yeah. If you don't want to be there, don't be there. But, I mean, he put on a fucking masterclass today. Like, sure. he is so damn good. And if Mbappe could learn to hold his runs or bend them or mm-hmm. any sort of ability to stay on sides or, you know, yeah. shoot the ball well, France could have easily won this game 6-1, 7-1. You know, I mean, the amount of chances they had in the second half was unbelievable. But it's, it's that same thing of just... And, and you kind of see it from the way that he plays with United and and the French team in general is they start to get in their own head, like, yeah, all right, we got this. And you saw it in mm-hmm. the hungry game, you know, they, they equalize. And then for the next 10 minutes after that, it looked like it was going to be 10 one. Yeah. And then once it started going against them, then they were like kind of out of sorts and hungry had a few mm-hmm. chances to win it. And right. You know, I mean, I just think France is so talented and, I believe the most talented team in the world, maybe not the
0: best, but the most talented team in so the world. Too. Yeah. But they're so player soft. Player for player, yeah.
2: Yeah. They're so soft in terms of mentality. Mm-hmm. Adversity does not suit France well past yeah. a certain point. You know, like I've said, they've trailed in three games and those three games, they got it back. But mm-hmm. after you get past that, you know, let's argue this 65, 70-minute mark, once you get past 75 minutes, they start to fall apart. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that over and over yeah. and over. And I just I don't know. I mean, I personally think it's like, hey, that sucks. Let's learn from this. We'll be back in the World Cup. You know, I would I would be shocked if they didn't go into the quarterfinals of the World Cup. You know, I, I mean at least They're so yeah. damn good. At least I like I would expect them to win it. I'll bet they'll be the odds on favorite. I think this is just a blip on the radar, but what it really mm-hmm. says is one, Deschamps cannot manage this team. You know, it's like how he was at PSG; you can't manage that star power. Yeah. And Two, they need to get off their fucking knobs and stop <laughs> and stop being uh, so full of themselves when they do
0: anything positive. It's. I like that you just mentioned that mental point. And just before you got in, I was I was hitting on this, but I'll, I'll say it again. Mm. How about the mental strength of Switzerland to miss a penalty that would miss have put them up 2-0, fall behind 2-1 like minutes later? Oh, I, think it, I, I literally going. think
2: it was five minutes later
0: they were I down think it 2-1. was. Yeah, it was very, very quick after that. They were yeah. so close to, to going up 2-0. Next thing you know, they're down 2-1, but they're not phased. Like you said, they play this way all the time. They have a confidence in their system, in their identity, who they are. They're mm-hmm. very consistent. And they didn't panic where oh, most teams me, implode me. at that point. Four minutes after the missed was penalty. It four minutes. Yeah. It, was, it didn't take long at all. It felt like it happened really quick. Yeah. And where would France be without Benzema this tournament? And they almost left him out. I mean, they almost left him out. He <laughs> had five goals
2: in the tournament and they yeah. almost left him out. Like, yeah. I think he's arguably the most underrated player, you know, in recent history. I would say so. Underappreciated for sure. Underappreciated is probably the better the better mm-hmm. term, not underrated because he is fantastic, but just underappreciated because mm-hmm. what he does for Real Madrid and what he does for France is just clinical.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then again they they also have the equalizing goal called offside.
2: Mm.
0: Again, that can demoralize the team in the closing minutes. Yeah, that can be the idea. Oh, there was our chance. We lost it. No, they just go create another one. And yep. like you said, we get the mistake by Paul Pogba ends up going the other way. And Gavronovich, you know, after the 90-minute mark, makes it three yep. three. Going to extra time. And it goes to we finally get to see penalties. Third extra time match in the tournament. First one to make it to penalties. Yeah. And like you said, the first eight or first nine shots perfectly taken. Even Kapembe, who looked looked like he oh. didn't want to be there. But I think Man, that was part of the mental game. Artist too. He absolutely buried it, and then you could see the the. I don't know if it was relief or just or just happiness when he scored. But yeah. Well, no, again, like
2: I when, said, he, yeah, he loves to make mistakes in big moments. Yeah, exactly. and he and he was at fault too with that second goal. Sure, so don't sure. excuse him away. But yeah, I mean, his penalty and Pogba's were unreal. Like, yeah, just exactly. no saving with and five keepers
0: in there. Here was my first thought. We talk about Man United. We find our way talking about them almost every episode. And um, go back to that Europa League final. Why was Pogba subbed off in the final seconds of extra time to not? To, I'm assuming to not take a penalty.
2: Uh, I would. I would argue it didn't matter because we had all ten outfield players make a penalty. So sure, yeah. sure. I, That's like, a good point. Watching watching that, any substitutions didn't matter because you're asking like De Gea in that moment. I would say I knew Mbappe would miss it more, but I was watching mm-hmm. it with a buddy of mine and, you know, we're going to eight, nine. And I'm like, if this gets to De Gea, he is one bajillion percent going to brick this. And of course right. he, you know, soft kicks it straight at him, soft But like, it. yeah, I, I can't blame that. I mean, Pogba has a history of missing penalties anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, if all 10 year outfield players score and you have to rely on goalkeepers, it's.
0: If I'm not mistaken, out. he shot first, right? Who, De Gea? No, no, no. he? No, um, Pogba loses. today. Oh, yeah. He, he came yeah, straight up. Pogba went first. Game. yep. Yeah. It was yep. Gabranovich and up then Pogba. Buried it. Yep. Buried it. I mean, he had the real long pause, fantasy. which makes you wonder. <laughs> you always wonder if that pause is nerves or if that's intentional. That really? was a
2: huge pause and a little, yeah. like, you know, Double step. I, you know,
0: I thought yeah. he was gonna miss it if I'm honest, but he proved me very, very, very sure. wrong. And then you had uh, so after that, you had Char Giroud Akanji, Taram Vargas, Kempembe, and Maiti Meh- all score. Yeah, Killian Mbappe steps up, and like you said, I, I felt it too. And I think the camera helped, and we got the camera from right behind him, so we're seeing the goal. Yeah, And as you're watching his approach, you can see where he's going to kick it. And you can see. I mean, you can, he, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah you he, can he,
0: see that Summer we, knows where it's going.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, like, <laughs> when you watch the slow-mo, like, before the ball is even touched, yeah. Summer is moving directly where it's going to go. His hands are already placed where the ball yeah. is. Like, it, it was the most telegraphed thing. And what's funny is, when he was walking up to the ball, they showed the crowd and all of the French fans were just like this. Like yeah, I know most you of you could probably see it in like, their oh, faces. I know, it was so nervous, but nah, they knew. They knew. Yeah. You could see it. You could definitely see it. I mean, um, I, again, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to go back to it cause I know I ranted about it, but how do you watch what Mbappe has done right. in the previous 120 minutes that you were on the touchline watching happen? Mm-hmm. And for the previous four or three games before that, and you watch what he does, and then you're like, "I'm going to make him take the most important penalty." I mean, it just it boggles my mind.
0: If not the manager, one of the more senior players in the side needed to step up and say, "I'm going to yeah, go
2: fifth. That's a good point that, too. What a bunch of fucking pussies that they made yeah. their youngest player take exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong; he probably was like, "You know, I got this. Don't worry well, about it." I'm sure it. he. But, would,
0: I'm sure he know, did say that. Yeah, like
2: any of them. It literally anyone I if I I'm not joking at all if yeah. I were Deschamps, I would have had Pavard
0: Langley anybody anybody take that penalty mm-hmm. just uh yeah. <sighs> a- anything else you want to say on this one before we move to Spain and uh in check and, Czech and um, I I do and have to say
2: as as much as I am you know saying Deschamps is a moron and he ruined that he because he did lose that game for France. France was cocky and lost it Congratulations to Switzerland, because oh, no like doubt. you said, the fight and their play, I would argue that with the exclusion of from the missed penalty to the 80th minute, it was all France. But beyond that, for a majority of the game, for almost the entirety of extra time, mm-hmm. Switzerland never looked down. They never looked tired. They always looked dangerous and deservedly, in my opinion, got the win. Yeah, because really, it should have been two nil in the 55th minute. Sure. And, you know. That that would and have that been might even victory. that might have crushed France right there and then. Who exactly. knows? I think it totally would have. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the fact that they missed a pen and had that equalizer called off rocks offside. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about fight. Talk about heart. I congratulations to them. They one hundred percent deserve to be where they're at.
0: Yeah, no doubt. All right, we'll move to the earlier game. Then um, we got Croatia taking on Spain. Here is Croatia's 11, uh, uh, Livakovic in goal. They're playing 4-3-3. They got Juranovic, Vida, uh, Kaleta Kar, and uh, Gravdiol in the back. In midfield, you got Luka Modric, Marcelo Brozovic, and uh, Mateo Kovacic. Up front, Nikola Vlasic, Bruno Petkovic, and Ante Rebic. Now, we knew that there was no Ivan Perisic in this match. Um... Obviously, that's a blow for for Croatia. Yep. He he's always been big for them. Spain on the other side also playing four three three. nice Simon, he's a guy we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, he he gets the start again. Cesar Espelicueta gets the, the start at right back. Eric Garcia and Laporte in the center. Jose Guaya is the left back here. Um, the three in mid is that yeah he he started over. I'm. So he started over uh, Jordi Alba. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I didn't notice that while, while I missed the first couple minutes of that because it was during the workday, and hmm. I didn't notice that over the course of the ninety minutes. But uh, in midfield, Sergio Busquets, uh, coke and Pedri up front. Fernando Torres, Álvaro Mar- Morata, and Pablo Sarabia. Um, I was waiting for I was waiting for Spain to miss a penalty in this one. That seems to be their custom. (laughs) How about Uh,
2: this? How about the fact that other than Cristiano Ronaldo, the field is shooting forty four percent. Insane,
0: isn't it? Cristiano Ronaldo's
2: three for three. The rest of the tournament is seven for fifteen.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. So the first first we get an own goal for it's okay. we'll talk about it now. Pedri plays the ball all the way back to to Unai Simon. And I don't know if he loses it in the sun, if he it's coming along the ground. So I don't know, but he just does not control the ball. It goes right over his foot and into the empty goal. It's that can't happen at this level. Like, it's amazing that they ended up being forgiven this because Mm. against somebody else, you probably pay the you pay the ultimate price for giving away a goal like that in the 20th minute. Funny and, you say that
2: because I was literally going to say, I think with Perisic it would not have gone the way, like after that yeah. goal, it wouldn't have gone
0: the way it did. Right, right. But credit to Spain. They don't lower their heads too much, and they don't beat themselves mm-hmm. up. Sarabia levels on the 38th minute. Um, the second half, Azil Puerta in the 57th. The Chelsea man gets on the score sheet. And notice they're getting goals from from not their key goal scorers. And that's kind of been Stane's MO here. Yeah. Yeah. Torres Torres makes it 3-1. It should have been over at that point. 85th minute. Orsic makes it uh, 3-2. And then Pasolich in the 90th plus two uh, with that nice header makes it 3-3. And finally, in extra time, we see... Alvaro Morata arrive at Euro 2020. Um, I had actually made the prediction last night that I think he's probably due to score. Yeah. Uh, and not offside. And not offside. So he gets it in the 100th, makes it 4-3. to three, And then Oyarzabal makes it 5-3, to three, three minutes later. Yeah. And again, I think Croatia was just gassed once we got the extra wow. time. They had 100%. They had burned all the fuel coming back.
2: I mean, but this is this was a game where. So you look at these games, and obviously, hugely similar to the France game mm-hmm. because of the fact that you know, okay, they go down, then they're up three-one, then mm-hmm. it's three-three the extra time, like unbelievable yeah, yeah. how that happened in two games today. Uh, same writer telling both. Yeah, stories. the best, the best, you know, fan view, freaking match day so far. I'll say that much, um, but. What's crazy is, and full credit to Spain, because I did not think they had this in them, is that they did exactly what you would expect France would have done, is they concede two late goals that really should have been avoided by just holding. Like I mean, Spain is averaging like 64% possession in all their matches Mm -hmm. so far. So the fact that they couldn't hold the ball for the last five minutes is insane like i mean it, just it is insane wild, bizarre. but whatever uh so they instead of being like shit like what we do all right let's be smart about this let's not concede let's you know make sure that we retain the ball no they pushed everyone forward in extra time they were like no we see you're tired we have the players to be able to do this Mm -hmm. we have the talent level that's above yours we're gonna push and push and push and they did and they got two very well deserved goals i would think i would say both of those were yes because of tired legs but still very well put together goals they weren't like you know a 40 yard screamer or something like that and then you look at france who as soon as they were in extra time were playing for penalties. They were playing to not be. Yeah. And right. the kind of fight that Spain showed, I did not think they had in them. I thought that would be 100 percent once it went to extra time. Although once you saw how tired they were, you know, it makes sense. But yeah. still, I just Spain showed dangerousness. You know, they showed that they have that edge to them in extra time. I think that, you know, they what surprised me most was that they leveled before halftime. I thought that was very impressive that they pushed mm-hmm. for that. Um, and then, yeah, like deservedly, they're as and Torres that they should have had the game wrapped up. They gave mm-hmm. up two sloppy goals and they were like, you know what? We shouldn't have done that. Let's make it right. And they did. They scored not one, but two back to back. And you see that kind of edge and you see that kind of fire from teams that, you know, usually from teams that are, um what's the word i'm looking for that are a little bit less than the top tier of teams mm-hmm. because they have that fire and drive of we you know people think we're the underdog yeah and i think we had some of that because people that are upper saying,
0: mid-tier well,
2: yes yeah, spain has looked terrible spain aren't as good as you know they haven't had a team this bad in 25 years their you know group stage was terrible until the last game where they were playing a bullshit team you know everyone's been saying they have been very disappointing and i'll bet that fueled a little bit of this bit of this extra time game of like, Hey, people mm-hmm. think Croatia's is going to roll us over in this extra time right. or in penalties. Let's get it done. And you didn't see that from France and, you know, fair play to Spain. And I think they'll have more trouble with the Swiss than, you know, the books will probably make, but
0: mm-hmm. they looked, they looked dangerous. And I think for a
2: team that had scored one goal.
0: Yeah. I, I think I, Danny I, Omo came into this game very well too. And as in the extra time, I thought he was pretty important. Mm-hmm. Um, and just look at the names that, that didn't play for Spain today. Rodri, he came in in the 101st, but uh, you got Marcos Llorente didn't play. Tiago Alcantara didn't play. Gerard Moreno didn't play today. Yeah. So Jordi Alba, yeah. Alba came in in the 77th, and Pau Torres came in in the 77th. He was another you know normal star. Luis Enrique's moved things around, and... Uh, I guess, yeah. had some courage to leave some key guys out of the team and, and go with some different names that, yeah. at the end of I the mean, day, the, the team got it done when it mattered most.
2: I think, again, like, you know, the Croatia opener, the OG...
0: hmm Throws
2: everything. I'm not going to go ahead and say that's <laughs> like, you know, the Portugal OGs where it was mm. probably going to be a goal and then, right. you know, an unlucky deflection or clearance. Like, right. that... That was a soft OG. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, I thought Spain played extremely well for you know the next 70 minutes until the sure. 85th when he gave up about one. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Luis Enrique is definitely finding what fits. But also, he seems to be really playing to his opponent, which is something yeah. that you know, oftentimes with these bigger teams like the France's and England's and Germany's, you just put out your best 11 because they're so much better than everyone else. Yeah. They are not really worried about it. Whereas here it's like, you can see they clearly were set up to go at this Croatia team Mm -hmm. uh, from the wings because they knew they didn't have pace. They really put an emphasis on um, man matching. And I just, I thought it was a good tactical uh, display from them. And again, like I was their extra time performance really impressed me (laughs) because I never thought they had that in them.
0: No, that exactly. And and they looked really good in that time, like mm-hmm. almost like, OK, enough of this. Let's wake up and, and let, let's let's yeah. take care of business here. We're the better team. We've let them hang around. Let's let's end this year. Whereas, like you said, France had a whole different approach and they just, mm-hmm. oh, we'll take it to penalties and win there when you are France like you don't. Yeah. You don't do that for other teams like you're you're you're, you're gifting them a coin. Flip. You're gifting them a coin flip. Exactly. When yeah. you have the better squad and, and you
2: don't just have the better squad, but you had a two goal lead with less than 10 minutes left like that. Yeah. You know, the best teams in the world can defend. As well as attack and right to completely throw that away the way Spain did the way France did. I mean, how I was saying after France went up three one after that Pogba goal, I was texting, you know, this group that I'm in and just saying, like, when they're good, damn, are they good? You know, like this is where I say there's contention for the number one FIFA world rank spot. And I think France should be right up there and then concede, concede. And it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, yeah, this is why they're not ranked number one. Right. in the FIFA world rankings, because they don't like Belgium, I would argue, was the worst of the two teams in the Portugal game and yeah. Portugal pushing and pushing and pushing and should have had at least mm-hmm. a goal. Yeah, And Belgium just knew how to sit in defensively and protect their lead because yeah. of the injuries they picked up and KDB going out. Like they needed to do that. France didn't have any injuries and needed to do that and chose not, they made the conscious decision not yeah. to do that. And so you see that with Spain and you see that with France and it makes you think, well, when you're going up against an England, even though they're fucking stupid, and, and Germany and Sweden I'm saving that for less you know, like, <laughs> and, and Italy and Belgium, when those teams do get a one goal lead, they're not gonna let you back in the way that Croatia will, you know, that the mm. way that Switzerland will. And then right. if you allow them to give up if you give up goals to them, they're gonna score a hell of a lot more than equalizers on you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. like I,
2: I think <laughs> France is gone, so we'll see what happens. But I think Spain, you know, great performance today. But I think they're in trouble because of the fact that they just... I mean, you have all that possession and concede three goals in regulation. is just, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Croatia's over two and a half goals was something like plus
0: 450. Yeah, exactly. What does that
2: tell you? This team should not be scoring once on you. No,
0: exactly. And, you know... You you look at it and Again, like you said They're going to be facing a Swiss team That can score goals in bunches And a Swiss team that's going to be happy To let them possess in certain parts of the pitch And wait to counter Mm. And I think it's actually going to be a real good Chess match To see whose style Will will win out We'll see if Luis Enrique makes more of these kinds Of of adjustments And Mm. if he builds a team to get by the Swiss or if he says, okay, this is our game and we're going to play this way, which I think was his mistake in the group stage was we play, we are Spain. We play, we're tiki taka, We're going to possess and we're going to, we're going to get, you know, whatever many goals out of having 80% of possession took a different approach today. And he said, okay, how do we beat this team versus yeah. how does Spain play? So I think it will be interesting to see when those two teams meet up and, I mean, I think if you're Belgium and Italy now, I think you, you're you feeling really good about your chances when you if you can get by this quarterfinal. Oh, with, yeah. With one key. of the favorites gone. And, I mean, on the other side no, of the bracket, with the Netherlands gone, I, again, I guess we'll use this to segue to tomorrow's matches because we got this yeah. Germany-England match, which I could see being, in reality, a semifinal because I think the team that wins this could have a path one to the final. final that's – that, that's really say, unobstructed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was literally just going to say that in terms of the betting markets, whoever yeah. you think is going to win between England and Germany, you should just take them to reach the final. Take that future, sure. because yeah. now their path is. I mean, again, hey, Switzerland just beat France, and Croatia right. almost beat Spain, and Czech Republic right. beat the Netherlands. But and you got Denmark in there, who are, are tenfold talk, easier. It's right. I mean, it's wild. With especially with the Netherlands out. Like yeah, you're going to come up against who? The Czech Republic, and then the winner of the Czech winner of and, and Czech Denmark. and Denmark, yeah. And yeah that's which, and that's to go to the semis, and then they'll play the winner of Switzerland and Spain, right? Like, and like you can't, you know, they'll play
1: they'll the, play the of,
0: well, no, they'll so play either Belgium, Italy, round, Switzerland, me, or Spain. Yeah,
2: yeah. Excuse me, in this next round, they will play either Sweden or Ukraine. And yes, then, that's right, in the semi final, right. they'll play either the Czech Republic or Spain, Switzerland. So, right, right. Again,
0: Which I think, with all yeah. due respect, you can't ask for a better semi final opponent no, than what no. they're lining up with.
2: They now. have the uh, easiest path for sure. But how yeah. interesting is this that one of the futures I put on was that the winner of the tournament would come out of the group of death, group F,
0: and gonna, France is out, Portugal's, yeah, Portugal's out, out, obviously, Hungary's out. Tomorrow, yeah. It's, if, it's. It could be. I mean, pretty, pretty I know likely. you and I we're both. Don't, group yeah. F teams are out. Yeah, it says something. And I said at the beginning of the tournament that it wouldn't surprise me if mm-hmm. the big dogs go down because they play in the top leagues and they play more this year. And yep. it was a very condensed really? season. And it was actually the end of last season and the start of this season were like went from one right into the other. There was almost no layoff in in yeah. some countries. So. I think some of that's coming to fruition. And maybe that's some of what France's problem is too. And, (laughs) but (laughs) you look at this, this Germany, England matchup. Now, Mm. um, I think there's some doubts with a couple of the Germany players. that are showing flu like symptoms. So, Uh, shit. Yeah. No fucking way. I haven't heard that, that yet. I had heard that tonight on ESPN. Um, Hopefully it's nothing because that can mean anything. Let's be honest; they could sneeze and they'll call it that. But um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's just be something most we England can't... England thing
2: ever. If they get a free pass to the quarterfinals because of COVID,
0: yeah, it's. <laughs> but for now, the probable lineup it looks like Neuer, uh, Ginter, Hummels, Rudiger, Gossens, Kimmich, Gundogan, Cruz with a three in attack. Thomas Muller, Kai Havertz behind Serge Gnabry. Uh, England, I love when they post these probable lineups because, well, we've talked about Garrett Southgate, and I don't think there's a such thing as a probable lineup. Nothing is probable with him. Um, But it's showing them going to a three-man back line as well, which is interesting.
2: He he will 100% be starting Raheem Sterling.
0: We know that. Did you catch the episode Leo was on Saturday? Uh, he I watched. Literally came in here and, in. and he he's all on England, so and he's all about Raheem Sterling, of course, of course because he he's is. watch he's watching it through sky blue sunglasses.
2: Well, uh. <laughs> I mean, you know, he can say what he wants because again, it's like you know the product or whatever, but like Raheem Sterling and i say this every year he would be the runaway golden boot winner in every tournament he's in if he could finish yeah and it's showing again he's had so many chances and the Mm -hmm. fact he only has two goals is just like i mean we're talking you know mbappe like misses like just right next to the goal and can't put it on target and Mm -hmm. if you if you take off those blue shaded sunglasses and watch him play, like if they just did attack him on only him Mm -hmm. and you're like, wow, look at the movement and look at his ability to get into the right positions and then do nothing with it. Mm -hmm. You would not be, I mean, it's his, his two goals, because they're two winners, people think that he's having a good tournament and like, Mm -hmm holy shit listening to like real you know soccer analysts and listening to players and ex-players and pundits say the exact like they're just echoing what we're saying they're saying like really he's had a mediocre tournament and Mm -hmm. two match winners make it a better tournament than it is but i mean i've watched some so i watch like player breakdowns to see how they're you know being worked on in what they're doing against certain teams and i watched sterling's against um uh, against scotland and it's literally like he has he takes the ball into the box and has nine touches before choosing to run down to the touch line and then try for go down for a penalty which mm-hmm. doesn't get called and it's like nine touches in the box mm-hmm. and you don't pass it or put a shot like that's mm-hmm. that is just so indicative of his style of play and why he works really well at city but i mean the man should
0: have 50 goals a year. He, it, again, I'm
2: not saying he's not good. I'm saying he's right. not a good
0: future. It, 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 it was funny because we, we we did start to argue about this game, him and I. Um, we were raising our voices, and then he tried to tell me that Portugal wanted third place and preferred to play Belgium over yeah, England. I, remember you saying, I literally took these off. I was ready to walk off my own show. Um, no. And then he agrees that, that – you know, that Garrett Southgate is is the clown or whatever. And, but but he says that this talent is just too much for them to lose. But mm-hmm. I look at this team, okay? And I've heard the rumors, too, that they're going to go to a three-man back line. I think that's going to kill them. It's going to turn into a five-man back line, first of all, because it's showing the probability of Reese James and Karen Trippia being the outside wingbacks. Playing probably, in front of
2: Jordan Henderson as well, it, and oh, I could
0: just God. see them retreating and retreating, it's especially the way do. that they have been playing so slow and trying to build up with slow, short passes. They, <laughs> it just, I, I don't understand why England doesn't just be England. They well, have. That's so exactly they, why you said it right there <laughs> because they're England. <laughs> Because they have the players to play the way that I think they've tried to play for years. And suddenly yeah. now they have the pieces and they're like, well, we want to play this way instead. It's, it's well, and, and
2: what's interesting is again, I, I will be waiting for team selections to yeah. place any of my bets because sure. I think what you're saying is exactly right. I think what they're going to do is set up defensively, soak mm-hmm. up pressure and, you know, then try and play their, you know, ticky-tack type of balls. And that is, for some reason, what they think works because mm-hmm. they won their group. Do you know it's a record? for No one's ever won a group scoring only two goals before. Like, it's a that's, record for any international competition. That's one to hang on your wall for sure. But Germany is a team that we saw exactly how they can be broken down mm-hmm. with the French game. And with the Hungary game game. and with the Portugal game, the way that you attack Germany is with very fast wingers and balls over the midfield in front of the defense because they leave so much gap because their defense is slow,
0: so -hmm. they all sit
2: back and their midfielders push up. And so there's all this space And their in wing backs
0: go way up, leaving yeah. a huge
2: space. But who the fuck's going to do that in this lineup? Harry Kane isn't going to. Sterling doesn't do that. Right. What they should do is, you know, Jadon Sancho on one side and Marcus mm-hmm. Rashford on the other and Kane yeah, in I the middle. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, because then yep. you have Jadon Sancho and Marcus Rashford are two of the top five pace players in the yep. competition. Of course. And you don't play either one of them. And the way mm-hmm. you attack Germany is fast counters. And yeah. they're going to set up to not do that. And that, right. I mean, that just like, if it is the case where Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling are starting with like Jordan Henderson and maybe and Calvin Phillips in the middle as holding mm-hmm. midfielders and then like a five back line with the wing backs, I'm, mm-hmm. I just, I have to just bet on the under and probably Germany because they're just yeah. going to try and soak up pressure. But Germany's so intense with it that I can see them getting a goal. Now, if they start pace players, England should absolutely destroy Germany because Germany won't right. have a defense. We've seen that in every game they've played. Right. And you know, I think, I mean, the only yeah. time they didn't give up two goals, they scored an own goal.
0: Right. And what this is really going to lead to is them whipping in early crosses to Harry Kane, who's going to be outnumbered up against He's, three, three Germany was, center backs. He's
2: going to get ahead to the ball. Like, right. Sterling isn't going to get ahead it. you know, it's right. just, I don't know, man. It's sad to watch because
0: England should be so damn good. Mm-hmm. I agree. So that's the early game tomorrow. That's going to, we're going to, uh, obviously talk about that tomorrow night. And I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm interested to see how it plays out. Just, yeah. We'll, hopefully both teams are as much at full strength as possible. Cause you don't mm-hmm. want to see this get decided on somebody being isolated, you know, um, Ben Chilwell still in isolation for some never shown a symptom. Um, because he had a conversation you know with billy mcgoire with uh billy gilmore but and for 20
2: minutes like what are you doing like why why are you with i mean yeah okay cool you can be friends and all that kind of stuff but it's insane that like you're, you're with an opposing player or an opposing team's player for 20 minutes before a game you play them like
0: that's, you know, and that's one of the things with this modern game, the way it is, these guys are all just so friendly with each other because yeah. they all play in, in the same three or four leagues. They all see yeah. each other several times. And it's, you know, you talk about the nostalgic Euros or World Cups of, you know, the 80s, mm-hmm. and and there was a lot more rivalry in those. You know, there was the teams, I think, were a lot more united around their, their team and their ethnicity. And now it just kind of seems like they go, they're all friendly with each other. And it these games seem to lack just a little bit of edge sometimes. And England, yeah. Scotland used to be unthinkable that the players would sit there for 20 minutes, you know, socializing before the game. Yeah. I mean,
2: dude, it's, it's fucking insane. I just, I I just, it's like watching the NBA now. Like i was busy. gonna
1: say
0: yeah
2: here's a bunch of stars that are all friends and don't yep. really give a shit about the city that they're in or no you no know, all they want is stats contracts and a couple
0: of championships at yep. one point with whatever team. at some point with whatever team as long as some of their friends are on it so we got sweden versus um ukraine to close out the round of 16 at Hamden park um Right now, here on Fought Mob, seventy-three percent of the twenty-two thousand that voted are picking Sweden. I'm looking here, and four-four-two of Sweden against the four-three-two-one of the Ukraine. Um, there's some players here, I think, that can make a difference in this match. Obviously, um, Yarmolenko comes to mind for the Ukraine, mm-hmm. and um, again, Sweden have been hard to break down, except for those fifteen minutes where Poland had you know attacked at will against them mm-hmm. and took two goals back. I'm not sure what we're going to see from from either of these teams to be honest with you. To me this is this is a toss up because uh these are teams that when they get to the later stages we don't really have a body of work to go by as to how they're going to respond to the added pressure. Um yeah. it's not a group stage anymore. You can't draw your way into the next round. So There's going to have to be some sort of risk going forward at some point. But Mm -hmm. Sweden have, you know, a guy like Emil Forsberg that can be a difference maker, obviously. Um, Alexander Izak can create chances. And I'd like Sweden a little bit more, but it Mm -hmm. wouldn't shock. And there's no result, I don't think, that would shock me in this one.
2: Yeah. I, I in general, agree with you. It looks like the markets kind of are leaning that way. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing. You know, pretty much across the board, the Ukraine money line kind of coming mm-hmm. down a bit and Sweden's going up a little. Um, the draw, you know, still pretty even keel at 210-ish. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I said, uh, you know, a couple match days, not match days, a couple of days ago when I was on the pod with you is that mm-hmm. what I like about Sweden is their coaching has been... Spot on mm-hmm. every single opponent. It is so clear that they've had a specific game plan for opponent yeah. and how to exploit what weaknesses and how to play against them. That's why they got a draw against Spain. You know, it's, I mean, that's how they were able to get that lead up on, uh, Poland. And yes, they did give up a couple of goals, but really they controlled that whole game in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, you know, and, and you look at their game against Slovakia, they got the job done. It wasn't anything to Mm. write home about, but they only had 40% of the possession in that game and not a single shot on target from Slovakia.
0: Mm -hmm. That's right.
2: I mean, and it's, and that kind of statistic is so telling to me, like Sweden didn't need any of the ball to do what they needed to do with only 40% possession against Slovakia. They had four shots on target, 13 overall shots, you know, and, and when they play Poland, it was very much the same. You have, Uh, Sorry, I had it right here. Fucking lost it. Here we go. Against Poland, you look at it, and they had 33% of the possession against Poland. Mm -hmm. 11 shots, four on target, three goals. With the win. I mean, Mm -hmm. that kind of defensive play, but the strategy to know your opponent, to know how to defend against them, when you come up against, I'm not going to say weaker teams, but slightly weaker teams, I mean that is so key when you come up against a team like the Ukraine who you are probably relatively evenly matched in terms of your attacking, but the way that they can sit in and defend and rely on you know Forsberg and and their men up front to get it done. I mean mm-hmm. you look at that Poland game and they took a two goal lead, two minutes later give up a goal to Lewandowski, five minutes from time give up the equalizer to Lewandowski. Mm-hmm. In the fourth minute of stoppage time, they managed to get one. Because again, they know how to do it. Poland was trying to get that fucking final goal because they needed it. Got caught on the counter.
0: Exactly. To
2: say that you won a game and scored three goals with 33% possession is just an impressive, I think, managerial display of knowing your opponent knowing how to defend and holding it. And I guarantee you, if they were France today and they were up three, one on Switzerland, you would not have seen a three, three game.
0: Right. Exactly. One I agree.
2: It worries me. You kind of mentioned is they don't often get to this stage, neither of mm-hmm. these teams. So it could be a little frazzled there in the last 15 minutes. If yeah. It's close if it's a one goal game, but I like Sweden because of the way that I've seen them get wins and get results when they needed them mm-hmm. with very, very little, uh, very sh- little shakiness. There yeah. weren't too many nerves in the Poland game. Obviously, it got close, but really, Sweden looked in full control. You know, against against Spain, it never looked like Spain were going to score. It looked like Sweden was playing for the draw. Yeah. And they the they could have played
0: all night. Yeah, yeah. they could have played all night. Now, so I
2: kind of see a similar, uh, you know, game for tomorrow. They're going to let Yor and in the Ukraine come at mm-hmm. them, and then rely on that one counterattack that they make count and walk away with
0: a very low-scoring win. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And you just, like you said, the other thing is you pointed to their efficiency in front of goal, too, mm-hmm. because four opportunities, three goals, that's as efficient as it gets in this competition. I mean, and again, you, it's, it's making the most of the possession they do have. Mm-hmm. versus some other teams that maximize possession but spend a lot of time with it in their own end or in the middle third and, and passing laterally passing backwards No, when sweden have it they're doing something with it and mm-hmm. when they get in front of gold they they're efficient they don't waste opportunities obviously yeah and i think that'll ultimately be the difference here um again it's a tough one to call but if i had to had to pick. I would, I would trust Sweden more to, to get the result. That, I mean, that's what it is,
2: and really, what it comes down to. I mean, from a betting standpoint, I'd say you know I'd look more to the under than I would mm-hmm. aside. But I would probably play Sweden, and I probably end up, will end up playing Sweden because of the fact that I just trust them more. I've seen from them an ability to control a game without needing the ball, right. and I haven't seen that from the Ukraine in the ukraine we've seen chasing we've seen you know some defensive collapses that led to goals like i mean their game against portugal excuse me (laughs) against portugal against Mm -hmm. um uh north macedonia they Mm -hmm. gave up a goal they had to you know to win it but still it was it was shaky there for a minute against the netherlands they score two and equalize and then let in that third goal you know it's it's that kind of inability to really make a a uh, a big statement or a big defensive push like the ukraine got it back to 2-2 and then let in the goal they gave them the l you know the ukraine played north macedonia and don't get me wrong i love the fact that north macedonia scored but they were up 2-0 and let in a goal and then it was just holding on for dear life right so I like the Ukraine to get it done. Austria blanked them. I think Sweden is a more talented defensive team sure. than Austria. I can see a, you know, nil-nil regulation or one nil
0: regulation. Yeah. Uh, JMP just, just commented that he likes Sweden to nil tomorrow. Um, yeah, you <laughs> go James making picks. That's right. That's right. Um, all right. Anything else you want to, you want to hit on? How'd you enjoy the weekend's matches before we go?
2: uh, <sighs> Again, I was super sad about the Portugal game. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. so excited about Portugal's opportunity. They were the better team in that game, but mm-hmm. Belgium just knew how to knew how to hold it. And yeah. uh, I'm sad that Ronaldo didn't get the, you know, record by himself and he stays tied. Yeah. Uh, but
0: it, he'll be playing in the World Cup. Yeah, there's World Cup qualifying in World- September. There's a friendly yeah. against Qatar in September so that
2: yeah I mean he'll, he'll <laughs> play in the World Cup he'll get a goal yeah. somewhere probably yeah. from the penalty and whatever I think uh yeah. I was very frustrated with the Italy game I think mm-hmm. that was one of the best examples I mean I I don't think it happens but like if the books ever needed a team to lose or draw in regulation it was Italy and mm-hmm. I I mean the entire world was on Italy in 90 minutes they didn't. And as soon right. as it went to extra time, I was like, guaranteed Italy immediately score. Yeah. And in fact, in the 70th minute, I'm like, what the fuck are we watching? Please bring on Chiesa. And of course he gets yeah. a fantastic goal.
0: Yeah, um, he
2: does. yeah, Italy, Italy played their game. I'm surprised they conceded, but extra time, mm-hmm. legs are tired, you know. The Netherlands game was shocking. Frank de Boer special. Yeah. No adjustments whatsoever led to the Czech Republic getting, in my opinion, a deserved win there. Yeah, yeah, no uh, doubt. You know, and then I i was saying this over the weekend <laughs> when I was putting out my plays. I was like, I'm playing with my heart, not my head on this one, but Denmark, Denmark money yeah. the Max, they absolutely wiped Wales away. Yeah. Uh, I am I'm extremely excited to see them face the Czech Republic because I think that's a very winnable game for them yeah and the further they go the better the storyline is with of the Christian course. Erickson thing I mean you know that was fantastic to see but I'm thoroughly disappointed uh, with really how Italy played you know in the end they got it done and I think they'll mm-hmm. continue to keep winning I think they have a chance against Belgium but you know Belgium has a lot of injuries, so mm-hmm. it's not like full squad. And uh, but yeah, disappointed with Portugal, Netherlands were trash. But hey, <laughs> well done to the Czechs.
0: They keep surprising. Yeah, people. no doubt. And you know, I I, it's, I didn't see that coming. I, I thought that the Czechs oh, were not going to be were not going to be a a test for for the Dutch. I didn't think this was going to be tough for them, and yeah. it, I was proven wrong. But again, to, to touch on the Portugal game, I talked about it yesterday, but. Um, having time to, to process it you know i still stick by what i said that dropping mm. to third place in the group was a mistake and i think they underestimated the importance of that i had yeah. I it out with somebody on twitter yesterday and uh ended up calling them out right here on the show because uh i think that that germany match was mismanaged and the repercussions of that was having to face belgium and not having to face england and i'll Maybe I'll be proven wrong tomorrow when, if England you know, wiped the floor with Germany, but I yeah. still, at this point, hold firm that it would have been a much better opponent in this round of 16 than to take on Belgium. Mm-hmm. And Belgium's just an experienced team that knows what they have to do to adjust to win. And yeah. I also said that I think Roberto Martinez understood that he didn't want to leave his team open to a counter. We against Portugal and especially once they got the lead they said all right if you're gonna score you're gonna build it up from the beginning Mm -hmm. and you're gonna construct the goal we're not gonna you're not gonna pull us out of position and and you're not gonna get a freebie and I you know I credit to them they they did what they had to do to win when you when you finish on your your one opportunity you, you deserve to win the game um I don't always buy into the whole thing that you know I don't like when people say you dominated a match if you didn't score a goal, because at the end of the day, we're there to score goals. And the the team that advances is the one that scores more goals. So again, put they put themselves in a situation to have to face Belgium. They fell behind because and actually I did. I, I wish I had seen this video before I did the podcast last night. I saw mm-hmm. it after I put it out on Instagram this morning. But it was a, a breakdown of of Belgium's goal, and it actually comes from the broken press. And it is actually Thibaut Coutois who, with the ball on his foot, fakes the clearance, cuts back, and makes the first pass out of the back. Bernardo and Renato Sanchez both collapse on the same Belgian player. He one-touches it out of pressure, and that's why Bernardo is not back to pick up Dorgan Hazard. Um, it all came from the press being broken down too simply all because two guys stepped to the same, to the same player. So in big matches, it's little details like that, that make the difference when you have two evenly matched teams, it comes down to little tiny details like that. And I mean, they, I wish they'd have done more. I wish they'd have done better, but you know, all the luck in the world five years ago, five years ago, one of the, you know, uh, Guerrero's ball off the post goes in. And five years ago, Belgium's, you know, no. Rui Patricio saves that. This time mm-hmm. he went the wrong way. He got caught. He got caught not setting his feet. He, it looked like he cheated to the near post. I'm not sure if he couldn't see, but he, his first step was to the near post and realized the ball was swinging the other direction and had to jump off his wrong foot and he couldn't extend himself yeah. far enough to get to it. It, it's the little things. But, um, you know, I think again, um, that Belgium Italy match is almost like a semi final as well. Now, I could see oh, whoever yeah. wins that going to the final uh, to play the winner of tomorrow's England Germany match. That could very easily be the final we're talking about on July the 11th.
2: Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, I would, if it was healthy squads, I'd say Belgium for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, but yeah, with the injuries they picked up
0: against Portugal,
2: especially, yeah. I mean, if KDB can't go,
0: yeah, that might- that's they're a whole different team without him.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, if KDB can't go, it's probably curtains. I don't want to say that because it's Belgium and they're a fantastic team, but Mm -hmm. with the amount of injuries they have, they can't afford to be losing their best player.
0: It's definitely a match to match situation. And I'm sure they're looking at it no further than the very next match. And JMP says, I think what we've already Oh, he's going to say that the winner of England and Germany wins the whole thing. Yeah, it's possible. I'm. I mean, England's going to be
2: playing at home. So, I can yeah. see it, but if for some reason the final is like England, Czech Republic, they will 100 lose. <laughs> they will find a way. They will find a way. Remember, where there's a will, there's a there's way a for England to fuck it up. But hey, it'd be great if they didn't. It'd be great if they didn't. I just.
0: And I, I go back. There's an English 100%. proverb. It's it. it it's very simple. It's you know, football hmm. is a game of eleven versus eleven, and after ninety minutes, the Germans win. So that <laughs> then I, I again I, I think Germany's going to win tomorrow. Um, I think that what does he have here? Yeah, we have another here, lose right. to pen, lose in pens to the yes. That's another reason that I won't trust England. Is there? I know oh they want to shoot out against Colombia in the World Cup, but if first of all, Germany have never lost a shootout. Dude, if it
2: goes to Penns, it's, I mean, England's done.
0: <laughs>
2: I mean, the psychological Rashford, effect of that.
0: I mean, they they will sleep tonight having nightmares about penalties. Dude, so, other than
2: Rashford and Kane, who do you trust yeah. on
0: that team to take penalties? Nobody. Nobody. Like, the entire German team could take penalties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Manuel Neuer in goal, I mean, he's going to save at least one. Oh, 100%. And, I mean, it, I would be...
2: <laughs> I would be surprised if England hit 4.
0: Yeah, it would be surprising. They they don't historically do that. No, they do not.
2: Although now probably they're going to like win by penalties all the way through the because podcast. we're saying
0: this here and this is the type <laughs> of tournament it's been. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode. Um, those of you listening on the podcast, get that in the morning. There'll be a recap of the weekends round in the Brazilian league. Tomorrow I'll have a Copa America recap. I said, said yeah, it'd be Brad tonight, but they're playing right now. So I'm obviously not going to oh. be recapping it right now. Uh- <laughs> it's over. It's over. Uh, so that'll come your way tomorrow. I think Argentina is ahead four to one right now. So uh, against Bolivia, a pretty sad Bolivia side, but um, that'll all be coming your way in the next uh, couple days. So thank you again for joining me. Follow him at fade my play. Follow me at PTB underscore media and always check out old episodes. If you want at www.parkingthebusmedia.com. They're all up there. And I'll see you tomorrow for another day of round of 16 action. Tomorrow we close out the round of 16. We'll know all the quarterfinal matchups, and I'm sure we'll get into what we think about those matchups tomorrow. All right. Mm -hmm. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night, and we'll see you tomorrow. You're listening to the Parking the Bus Podcast here on the PTB Media Network, your English language home of Copa Libertadores. And welcome back to episode 58 of Parking the Bus. Welcome to the podcast exclusive segment only available here on the podcast. Not available on any of the live streams. This is covering the latest action in the Brasileirão, Brazilian football. As you know, the league does not stop Copa America. It is is not going to stop for the Olympics. It is not going to stop for World Cup qualifying this year. This league is going to play straight through. So, uh before, before we get into the, the action um, on the pitch this week, there was a draw on the 22nd of June, which was just a few days ago. And that draw was for the Copa do Brasil round of 16, the Brazilian Cup. So I have the results of that draw. And the first leg of this round of 16 matches will be played on July the 28th, with the second leg being played on August the 4th. And the draw goes as following. Um, in round of 16, matchup number one, Sao Paulo will host the first leg and draw. They draw Vasco da Gama in the round of 16. Vasco da Gama, of course, relegated last season from the Serie A. They are in Serie B now. And then Criquiuma, um, lower level side. Cri-qui-yuma, they they have come out of the... They've come out of the Santa Catarina Championship. Okay, they play in the in the. They qualified through their state championship, as does everybody uh, in this competition. Um, Criciúma will host Fluminense in the first leg of the round of 16, and Criciúma, as we said, from the Campeonato. Catarinense and they also play in the Brasileirão Serie C so Fluminense the first division side or the Serie A side who are currently also in the Copa Libertadores they will get they get the draw and they will travel to Santa Catarina for the first leg. Vitoria will they are from Salvador of course in the state of Bahia Um, Vitoria will host Gremio of Porto Alegre in the first leg. Uh, They match up in this round of 16. The second leg obviously at the Arena Gremio in Rio Grande do Sul in the city of Porto Alegre. The next round of 16 matchup is Fortaleza. One of the teams that are shining in the early part of this season. They will take on CRB or Club Regatas do Brasil. And they come from the they come from Alagoas, and they qualified also through their state championship. While Flamengo, the defending Brasileiro champions, will play ABC. Um, ABC is the team. That comes from the city of Natal in Rio Grande do Norte. So, uh, the Natal side ABC or ABC will take on Flamengo. Atletico Paranaense will take on Atletico Goianense in a battle of Serie A sides. Atletico Mineiro will take on Bahia in another matchup of Serie A sides. And lastly, Santos will take on Juárez João come from the city of Juazeiro excuse me, in the state of Bahia as well. Okay, and at the end of of these two matches, the eight teams that advance will be will be drawn on. They'll be drawn in August of 2021. That's where the draw will take place for the quarterfinals. So that's your news on. The Copa do Brasil, moving now to some transfer news in the Brasileirão that I haven't hit on yet. It is transfer season, so some players have moved. Uh, Corinthians have released their player, Danilo Avilar. The center back leaves um, on on mutual consent. He has a market value of 2.2 million U.S. dollars. Paulo Vitor has moved from Botafogo in the Serie B to Internacional in the Serie A for an undisclosed fee. His contract will be good until December 2024. Um, Red Bull Bragantino make another, another signing, a good one here. They pick up Bruno Prachedes from Internacional of Porto Alegre. For a fee of 6.6 million US, and Bruno Prashedes will move to Red Bull Bragantino, and he now has a contract until June 2026. Liger will move on a free transfer from Red Bull Bragantino to Bahia, while Everton will move from Sport Recife. On loan to CSA of the Serie B for the remaining until November 20, 2021, the remainder of the season. Chapacoense have sold their central midfielder Lucas Mineiro. He is going to Portugal to play for Sporting Braga. He was sold for a fee of 1.7 million US and he will have a contract with. The Guerreiros do Minho in the Portuguese 1st division until June 2026. Felipe Aguilar has left Atletico Paranaense to go to Portugal as well. He is going to join Nacional on the island of Madeira on loan until June 2022. Wellington Ney will leave Fortaleza on a free transfer. And he goes to Serie B to join Giants Cruzeiro. While we have some more here. As some more players have gone down to said A B and the big this the big big news okay it has not been officialized it looks like but um the big transfer that's in the front pages everywhere is of course that of Flamingo's Gerson. Gerson is on his way to Olympique Marseille in the French League 1. And Gerson will be going. I'm gonna verify this right now for the amount but jerson um played his final match for flamengo last wednesday night in a match against fortaleza which i'm going to talk about that match in just a minute as it was his farewell match and it was kind of interesting that um that He's still playing. That that Marseille would would make this deal and then still allow him to play one last match. But it's according to GetFootballNewsFrance.com, Marseille strike a 20 million euro deal to sign Gerson from Flamengo, and La Provence report that the League One side have um, made this deal. It is for 20 million, but there are also bonuses um, for the 24 year old Brazilian. Crucial crucial key member of this this Flamengo side the last 18 months and actually on YouTube uh Marseille have already uh they've already put out a welcome video to Gerson um uh, welcoming him to Marseille so that's the big transfer uh moving on though to the Brasileirão and to the results of the past uh, the past two match days as you know last midweek there was a round and now um, this past weekend we've just concluded a round as well i'll start the recap here on wednesday uh, june the 23rd okay it, it it's gets started in goiania and it is atletico goianis with a big victory Over Fluminense, the Rio de Janeiro side travel to Goiânia and lose thanks to an 81st-minute goal by Nathan and Atletico Goiânia pick up the three points. Also on Wednesday, the big one I just talked about, it was a battle of, of the defending champions versus the early sensation in the league. It is Flamengo hosting Fortaleza. And let's pull this one up and talk about it for just a few minutes here as the teams come into the match. Fortaleza were leaders, or they were joint leaders, coming into the match unbeaten. They are one of the sensations of this early part of the Brasileirão. Um, Through their first five matches, they were unbeaten, like we said. And their first victory in the Brasileirão was on match day one and pulling it up here they started off with a 2-1 victory on the road at Atletico Mineiro against one of the title contenders in my opinion Fortaleza that day went 2-1 and then they go on to win 5-1 just a few days about a week later in their home opener in the Brasileirão. They take on Internacional. Last year's runner-up. And they slammed them 5-1. to one. Fortaleza on that match would see. We talked about this last time we talked about it. They get goals from TT. Robson. Pikachu. An own goal from Gabriel from Internacional. Precedez. Who's now on his way as we just said to Red Bull Bragantino had a goal in this one for Internacional. And Paulista in the 86th minute. Fortaleza. Um, win their first two matches. They then win in the cup against Sierra 3-0. Beat Sport on the 13th of, of June to start with three straight victories. But then they drop points in back-to-back matches coming into this one. So they drop points in a nil-nil draw on the road at Lechikoye yeah, Nancy. And then drop points again at home against Flumie, Nancy 1-1. And on this night against this team against the champions on Gerson's farewell match it is Flamengo coming away with the victory 2-1 to over Fortaleza and this was a match that was definitely a tale of two halves I'll pull up the lineups quickly Fortaleza playing a 3-4-1-2 with Felipe Alves in goal three across the back team Marcelo Conceição and Titi with five in front of him, uh, four in front of him, excuse me. Iago Pikachu, one of the stars of this team, wide on the right. Ederson and Felipe in the center of midfield with Lucas Crispim down the left. Matheus playing as a number 10 behind the two strikers. Wellington, Paulista, and David. Now for Flamengo, remember they got players away on national team duty. No Mauricio Isla, no Gabigol, uh, no Everton Ribeiro. Among others. So, Rogério Senni comes out with this 4-4-2. It's it's Diego Alves in goal. The right back in place of Isla is Mateuzinho, William Arão, and Rodrigo Caio are the center back. Pairing with Felipe Luiz as the left back in midfield. Saying goodbye one last time. It is Gerson getting the start. He's partnered with Diego. And then Michael starts down the left. While Vicino starts down the right. And in attack it is Pedro teaming with none other than Bruno Henrique. And Bruno Henrique would pick up two goals in this one. He'd be the man of the match. He scores in the 21st and 43rd. I thought his goal in the 21st was a little bit of a... As we call it in port in continental Portugal in Europe. We call it um frangueiro. Um frango. And that's a, has that, that word has a completely different context in Brazil. I'm not going to repeat what that word means in Brazil. I don't mean it in that context. I'm using it in my Portuguese. It, it, is, it is the word for a bad goal. A weak goal. As Felipe Alves, the goalkeeper for Fortaleza, should have done better. But in the 43rd. Bruno Henrique doubles the lead. And Flamengo go into the team room at halftime ahead 2-0. But in the second half, it was all Fortaleza. Uh, Flamengo came out a little bit too too comfortable, I think. And right off the bat, 46-minute, David scores for Fortaleza, making it 2-1. And for the rest of the second half, Fortaleza would increase the pressure they'd be putting it on. Pikachu would be would be creating things down the right. Uh, he is a good player, and without any type of finishing, though, they just would not be able to pull level. And Flamengo would would see out the result. They would win two to one. A nice moment, despite the stadium being empty. There, it was a nice moment when there was the substitution made in the. Where was it made? And actually, Gerson played the entire match. For some reason, in my mind, I remember him being substituted. But it looks like Gerson played the entire match. Did not come out. And that's confirmed. He did not come out. uh, Plays the entire 90 minutes. And then thanks on television. Thanks, the Flamengo faithful for always supporting him. Flamengo fans everywhere um, expressing messages of gratitude towards this 24-year-old player, Gerson. As he now takes on a new adventure in a new league. And he's the latest Brazilian to go for big money to Europe. And he'll now go play for Jorge Sampioli. The Argentinian manager who most recently managed Atlet- Atletico Mineiro. Um, he's a player that Sampioli wanted. And he's now the man- now the manager at Marseille. And Gerson is, is his prized target. And I'll be interested to watch League 1 this fall and see how Gerson adapts. He's been in Europe before and it didn't go well. Flamengo brought him back and now they have sold him. They made a nice little profit on it. So all around a good piece of football business. Also, going on at the same time, I was watching two matches at one time that night. Last Wednesday night, of course. It was after watching the Euro. Um, I had these two matches. I had Flamengo vs. Fortaleza and this one. A team I've told you every time I've talked Brazilian football, and I'm going to continue to beat this drum because I think there's something special in this team. Watch out for Red Bull. Bragantino; they go and they beat the defending Copa Libertadores champions, Palmeiras, 3-1. to And I'm going to give you the lineups in this one. This one was played, obviously, Um not obviously, but this was played at the Estadio Nabi Shadid in Braganza Paulista in the state of Sao Paulo. And the defending Copa Libertadores champions, Palmeiras, come in. They're, of course, managed by Abel Ferreira, while Red Bull Bragantino are managed by Mauricio Barbieri. And for Palmeiras, their goalkeeper, Weverton, is away. He is with Brazil at the Copa América. He got the start this past weekend against Ecuador. And in this one, it is Vinicius getting the start in his place. Mateus Rocha, Felipe Melo, and Renan Victor are the three in the back in a 3-5-2. The wingbacks are Mai key on the right and Vitor Luiz on the left. The center triangle in the midfield, uh, Gustavo Scarpa, Danilo, and Rafael Vega playing behind the forwards, William and Deverson. And for Red Bull, Bragancino, start getting familiar with these names. The goalkeeper is Clayton Schwengble, Schwengber. They're playing 4-2-3-1. Four, four across the back. Aderlan is the le- is the right back. Fabricio Bruno, Nathan, and Weverson. Not the same Weverson, obviously. That plays goalkeeper for, for, for uh, Palmeiras. Uh, double pivot in midfield, Raul and Lucas Evangelista. I've talked about Lucas Evangelista a number of times on this podcast. A player I really, really enjoy watching. The three attacking midfielders in front of him. Artur Guimarães on the right, Hamir in the center. And Eliu Junior, Elinho on the left, playing behind the striker, Italo. Italo is the man of the match and what a performance Italo puts on hat trick for the striker goals in the 10th 45th and 88th minute while um, Palmeiras get a goal from Brenu Bren Lopes the hero of the Copa Libertadores final he gets one um, also featuring in the match are some of the more recognizable names in Palmeiras Gabriel Menino comes in in the 69th Wesley in the 70th. Hawny in the 77th. Uh, Luis Adriano, the longtime experienced striker. One of their Copa Libertadores heroes as well. Luis Adriano comes on, on the, in the 77th as well. For Red Bull, we would see Rafael Luis in the 59th. Egy Marfraga in the 72nd. To, Thomas Cuello in the, twi- in the 72nd as well. Leonardo Re- Realpe in the 88th. So... Again, Red Bull Bragantino three more points. They are impressive. Um, also going on last Wednesday night, São Paulo two-two draw at home to Cuiabá. Thursday, uh, another full slate of matches: América Mineiro one, Juventude one, uh, Sierra two, uh, Atlético Mineiro one, Chapacoense one, Internacional two, Corinthians one, Sport Recife. Sorry, Corinthians two, Sport Recife one, Bahia two, Atlético Paranaense another team I told you to watch for. They lose. They only get one. So Bahia beat Atlético Paranaense two to one. They beat the Hurricanes as they're known, and it is the first defeat for Antonio Oliveira Jr., the Portuguese manager of Atlético Paranaense. And then Grêmio Porto Alegre win two or I should say draw two two with Santos. We move to Sunday now, and this is round seven. Upset in the first match of the day. It is Juventude versus the champions, Flamengo. That's right. Juventude versus Flamengo. This match played at the Estadio Alfredo Jaconi in Cachas do Sul, in the state of Rio Grande do Sul. And the pr- recently promoted side, Juventude, get the victory. Their goal comes from Peixoto in the 26th minute. That's Mateus Peixoto. Flamengo unable to find the back of the net in this match. Flamengo would field roughly the same team that, in fact, the only change, of course, is that Gerson is out of the midfield. João Gomes steps in for him. And also Gustavo Henrique plays in place of Rodrigo Caio. Everything else is the same. But Flamengo unable to find the back of the net, unable to get an equalizer, and the champions lose for the first time this season. Also on Sunday, Fluminense one, Corinthians one, Athletico Paranaense two, Chapacoense two, Grêmio nil. Fortaleza nil. They started hot. They've dropped points now in four straight matches. That is Fortaleza. Palmeiras with a big victory, a big response after the loss to Bragantino. Palmeiras three, Bahia two, América Mineiro one, Internacional one, Ceará one, São Paulo one, Santos two, Atlético Mineiro nil, Sport Recife nil, Cuiabá nil, and then the final match. Just concluded a little while ago. I was watching it with one eye while recording the the live portion of the show, the the the, the live stream that you may have seen. But the you know the main segment of this show, um, it was in Goiania. It was Atletico Goianes nil. Red Bull Bragantino one. Red Bull Bragantino would get the goal from weverton in this one and the man of the match was lucas evangelista another three points for red bull Bragantino. so let's go to the table now and while i pull up the table i'm also going to pull up the team of the week it will be last week's team of the week but in the next episode i will cover uh round seven's team of the week and we look at it here as i pull it up and in first place now through 7 rounds with 7 matches played 17 points that's 5 victories and two draws it is Red Bull Bragantino the team i told you to watch out for the team i believe will come in the top 6 this year will will book a spot in Copa Libertadores second place is the other team i told you to watch out for now remember these teams are less affected by the international game going on right now they're less they do not have players or at least nearly the amount of players away at Copa América right now. But it is Atlético Paranaense in second with 13 points. They're four off the pace, but with the match in hand, the Hurricanes have four victories, one draw, one defeat. Ten goals, four, five against, and they sit in second with 13 points. Also on 13 points in third is the Copa do Brasil and Copa Libertadores winners. It is Palmeiras. They have 13 points, like we said, for victories. One draw, two defeats for the Verdão. Fortaleza sit in fourth right now with 12 points from seven matches. Three victories, three draws, one defeat. Bahia are fifth right now on 11, as are sixth place Santos with 11 as well. Atletico Goianes seventh with 10. They lead three teams that right now sitting on 10 points. Uh, Atletico Mineiro and Fluminense also on 10 points but Athletico Goianiense have a match in hand in 10th place it is the champions Flamengo with 9 points but they have two matches in hand only having played 5 so far three victories two defeats so I sh- I shouldn't say first defeat it was the second defeat for our Flamengo I honestly don't recall them losing another match but they, there it is they did they in fact did and um, it is 9 points for Flamengo in 10th place right now from 5 matches. Corinthians are 11th on 9 points as well from 7 matches. Sierra 12th. Right now the final Copa Sudamericana spot. S- 7 matches played as well. 9 points. Also on 9 points or still with 9 points. Internacional de Porto Alegre and Juventude 13th and 14th respectively. 15th is Spocresif. They have 5. Cuiabá has 4. They're just out of the relegation zone on goal difference right now with the minus one goal difference, and just in the relegation zone. It is one of the giants, the absolute giants. It is São Paulo. They are seventeenth with four points from five matches. Chapecoense are eighteenth with four points from seven matches. América Mineiro, or América, uh, yeah, América Mineiro, three points from seven matches, while Grêmio of Porto Alegre are bottom of the table. They've only played five matches. They have two in hand, but they've only got two points. Two draws, three defeats. The league leaders right now in goals in the Brasileirão. It is Red Bull Bragantino's Italo at the top, along with Gilberto from Bahia, while Mateus Peixoto is also with four goals, I should say, and he is of Juventude. Rodrigo Muniz of Flamengo is... Next, he is fourth on three goals. Also with three goals, a whole host of them. Edge Nielsen of Internacional, Bruno Henrique of, of Flamengo, Breno Lopes of Palmeiras, Marinho of, San pa- of uh, Santos, excuse me, Iago Pikachu of Fortaleza, and um, Artud of Red Bull Bragantino. That's Artud um, Guimarães, of course. The team of the week for round six, which was the Wednesday, the midweek matches. The goalkeeper is from Chapakoency. It is it is João Paulo. The back. So this week the team of the week is is in a four-two-three-one. The right back is from um, America Mineiro. It is Eduardo. While the center back from a. Athletic Goianés Natan, is also in the Team of the Week. Next to Leo Paredes of Santos and Leo of, of São Paulo is the left-back. In midfield, this double pivot of a midfield, Ravanelli from Chapacoense and Juninho. Juninho Valora of America Mineiro. While in front of them, you have Rossi from Bahia. You have... Emiliano Rigoni of Sao Paulo and Bruno Enrique of Flamengo playing behind the striker who had a hat-trick. It's Italo of Red Bull Bragantino. And that, my friends, is going to do it for round 6 and 7 of the Brasileirão. Again, next week there will be more coverage of this league in in a bonus segment just like this. This is the way that we'll be covering the show throughout the the duration of euro 2020 don't forget tomorrow night bonus content covering the final match uh, covering the final match day of the grupo sud in the Copa america thank you for listening and i'll catch you all tomorrow it's the mr mike Agustin you signing off don't forget at ptb underscore media on instagram and on twitter good night
1: Cause you faith and no fear for the fight You pull hope from defeat in the night There's a near-mid-to-be you in my mind Could be mad, but you might just be right